Hey everybody, welcome to That Photography Podcast. I'm Bruce Smoyle and joining me once again is Jasper. Jasper? Jasper. You can call me Jasper. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Jasper, you see We were just talking about pr- mispronouncing your name and almost went uh, to it. And uh, in the studio is Jasper the Seymour. Jasper the Seymour. The Seymour. Seymour just rolled the off the tongue. Oh yeah. All right, so last last episode we sort of talked about where you came from and light painting and that. And before we get into some more interesting areas, I want to continue with the light painting stuff a little bit. The um, You're talking about you use a lot of different things. You use um, lights like um, LEDs. Um, what sort of equipment, like what is the variety of tools do you use? Um, um, for light painting, light painting, yep. and, and all that creative stuff. Like, yep. is there more to it than just you know a, a, a torch or whatever, and, or yep. something with a bit of flame? Yeah. Um. So a lot of the stuff I've had to build because you can't just get the equipment that you need. Yep. That has to be bright enough, or strong enough, or portable enough. So <coughs> I guess I taught myself very basic circuitry and you know purchase a soldering iron so that i could just create some just basic circuits of yeah. lead chains and um you know get the rg like red green blue controllers working on yeah. my light sword which i made in my it must have been my second year of university or third year university and i've had that since it's been you know like five or six years and all yeah. it was was a stick of wood um you know a meter long and two red green blue strips like 30 centimeters or 40 centimeters each an rgb controller 12 volt rechargeable battery and a kill switch and some wires and a bit of gaffer tape and that has lasted me like five six years wow. best hundred and twenty dollars i think i invested on light equipment and i've used that in so many of my different works yep. whether it's illuminating or quite literal painting straight towards a camera yep. it's always sort of been there smashed it into many walls and many sewer drains and it, and it's still still yeah, still standing <laughs> well it definitely needs maintenance now it's like getting pretty corroded so yeah, yeah. time to spend some time on that but yeah a lot of it involves that literally building the equipment and sort of creating light wheels where you and again a lot of these techniques i've learned from um a lot of the guys that have pushed me like yep. there's one guy called tcb or twin cities brightest yep. from twin cities minnesota and to me he's probably got to be um the icing on the cake of light painting um he's very very underground with his work like, oh, in, okay. in every sense of the word yep. but his his images are just just crazy um you think my images are crazy like his stuff is just off the shelf yeah right. and so a lot of the a lot of my techniques i've sort of um, adapted and changed but i've also tried to not just go look at them and go oh that's amazing and i'm gonna replicate that in my yeah. own light i try to take from it and go how can i take a part of what they're doing and push that down a line because mm. in a world that we live in today Everything has been done and everyone is copying everyone. Exactly. That's how it is. So I try as much as, as I possibly can to kind of push the limits of certain areas. So I got into the point where I was, you know, trying to push triple and quadruple exposures as far as I could and yep. get some stuff that was conceptually really strong and kind of referenced other artists that I've looked at but has taken it a lot further. So the fact that, you know, you, you pay homage to them in the fact that you're taking some of their skill sets, but you're taking off in a line, you're not just producing work that you could mistake as theirs. I think that's really important. Yeah, so with that in mind, like, can you think of, like, any... I, I, I'm going to sort of make this a uh, question I'm going to ask a lot of people, I think. Any sort of time where you've actively gone out and you've had a plan, you've gone out to get something, and you've absolutely failed like everything has gone wrong and you you know you've walked away and you've just gone 
mm. putting whatever four letter word or whatever you want in there. Yep. But from that, uh, what lessons learnt and stuff like that. So is there a story of something that has gone catastrophically wrong but has given you something yeah i guess so i mean i wouldn't say anything's gone catastrophically wrong i mean i suppose you might think with my fire painting things could go pear-shaped really fast yeah there's Um, a few people out there have burnt some significant monuments oh my goodness like (laughs) seriously you know i I find it's really important to try and respect the site or the area that you go to as well like because you obviously want everyone to enjoy it and i say get in and out without leaving a footprint or a trace and by that i mean literally leaving nothing whether it's a a flake of steel wool or whatever or a burnt down house you don't do that like it's 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 frustrating to me to look at that and think there's no way i would have done you know the things that some of these guys have done yeah yeah um so i think it's really important to make sure that you spend time preparing correctly and you know knowing your limits as well is really important and knowing how far you can push it but when it comes to my fire painting i'm 300 percent prepared i've got fire extinguishers water wet blankets fire blankets um trustworthy friends that are willing to stand there while i paint with fire so um yeah i think that's really important but i think i went slightly off the topic there that's right what was the question (laughs) i was like is there like a a, a a project or shot that has failed that yep. you've gained some sort of insight from yeah definitely loads of the times so, <laughs> no, um uh well a few times like it, i suppose in the past where i'd i had um like uh, poor equipment and so forth and i'd go go to these drains where it's really dark and i can and uh, you know control all light that yep. emits into the camera i've had a few occasions where i've tried certain techniques um and they've just gone incredibly wrong and and they've frustrated me to the point where i just thought i'm just going to drop this you know like when i initially did start trying triple exposures it was so frustrating and yep. technically difficult to achieve that I, I i'm sort of meddled with it and i just got so frustrated and just had to throw in the towel I ended up like tripping in the drain and smacking my head onto one of my lightsabers and then broke some of the plastic that was protecting the rgb strip and then i hit the camera and the tripod moved and that smashed into the wall oh, and because obviously you can't see anything no, because you, if you turn the torch on to he- head back to the camera when you're 30 meters away from the dark point that you don't see yeah. that you have to rely on you know obviously your proprioception and uh, spatial awareness to get back yeah. to that point so that you don't smash the camera and that you don't shine the torch directly on the camera if you do use light to navigate your way through because then you can just ruin the entire shot and you waste 15 yeah. minutes of your life jumping around the sewer drains like a mad hatter so so you eat a lot of carrots loads of carrots <laughs> <laughs> carrots and red bull smoothies Ooh. <laughs> I don't think of anything worse <laughs> a chicken smoothie <laughs> oh, um so moving from that like you, one of the things you've done and uh, have a up and coming project is you do a lot of urban exploration yeah right? it's sort of something that's very big in europe i know that and moderately big in the states everything's big in europe <laughs> yeah and europe's got the history it's got yeah. thousands of years it's a little bit more interesting yeah. yeah but you know from from light painting and finding dark places and now doing this urban exploration can you give me a bit of a history of what you've done and why and and what apart from light painting has generated you to now continue exploring spaces yep oh i guess leading me into these spaces initially as i, I think i spoke earlier was um the fact that I wanted to create my light paintings in 
in total control in total darkness yep. so that the pitch black of night was my canvas and anything illuminated became part of the image so that's where i guess i started with urban exploration is finding these old abandoned warehouses that had no street light leakage or anything they were just a big black box which was a perfect studio yep. and um you know i wouldn't affect the environment and then uh, i obviously kept pushing further to find more interesting spaces and more interesting places that, you know, you just go past and go, oh, I don't want to go down there. I don't want what happened down there. Ooh. Those are the places that I want to go to. Yep. Um, and, and then I st- obviously that led me into finding out, I guess, having more of an interest into why the spaces were empty, not just, oh, fantastic, it's an empty warehouse. I was like, well, why is it empty? And I guess, the, again, the yarn just unraveled and I was – kept trying to find out why these spaces were the way they were and that took me to you know different locations and and it it became more again about the process and the journey to find and discover these places and to bring the stories back Mm. to light that may be uh, completely forgotten so that sort of brought in the explorative aspect of my work but then they ended up you know they've I guess they've they've meshed from my light painting to my urban exploration because yep. it's just as important for me now to discover um, the path and the progression of these states that of decay um, and bring that I guess together with my light painting in some terms depending on what the space is like to represent that in a, like a final re- visual representation. Yep. So it all kind of yeah it's all kind of meshed together. Initially it was kind of separate and there were three different techniques but they're all kind of coming together and that's becoming I don't know what you call me as I say now yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's all part of this the same visual book. artist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's the catch-all cry, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, urban exploration's got an interesting history and and obviously it comes with a lot of safety and danger as well. Well, there's obviously the actual physical danger, but it's also, I suppose, you've got to think of what else is around the authorities, Mm. you know, what... It's, I suppose it's technically trespassing in a lot of yeah, places. Yeah, well, a lot of the places I go to, I actually get access to. So I'm granted permission to. Okay, so get you're into actually asking. That's yeah. different to yep. a lot of people. And and it's, uh, some of them are um, like often, like even the one um, uh, initially on, I think, uh, up on Kilifati Road or St. Leonard's, there's an old sort of depot there. Well, it's now Tasgas, I think it is. And oh, Australia yeah, because that was where the, the abattoir and yeah. everything was. Yeah. yeah. So initially, um, that was obviously run down. And, uh, you know, if the gate's open, I'll just wander through taking photos. I mean, it's if it's if it's inviting me to yeah, come yeah. in and say, hey, you know, do you want to document my history? I'm not going to say no. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the times I, I do get permission to access these places but then a lot of the times you don't know you know this is an abandoned building literally in the middle of nowhere and you know there's no fences there's nothing it's just this building sitting there with the doors wide open and you you obviously knock to see if anyone's in there um but you do have to be aware of um certain dangers if you do and when you do go exploring because number one you don't know uh who or what could be sitting in there like in reference to detroit when i went over in 2013 a lot of the spaces you had to be aware of obviously you know homeless people could yeah, be living in these places yeah. um you could have drug ad- drug addicts um you know gang members all, all means of uh animals and so forth that could be living in these places that you yeah. just really need to be aware of and again it just comes back down to being respectful of the place you're going to just like if you were to go to a museum you wouldn't go to a museum be the only one in there and just decide to start smashing and tagging the walls 
Yep. You know, so you've got to take that same approach if you're going to a abandoned building, and that's how I look at it. I respect the space. I want to document it and capture it, and literally, you know, not stage anything, not pull a chair up into the center of the room and try and make it look pretty. I just want to show what I've seen through my eyes and bring yep. that back to my audience so that they can see it safely from you know a gallery or um, a lounge room and be comfortable with it. I think it's really important to just treat these spaces as, as destroyed and neglected as they are with respect I yeah it's well, really important that's amazing well that well there's a big jump there so you're exploring spaces here locally and then all of a sudden detroit michigan yeah. <laughs> united states yeah it's just like a bit of a jump there yeah, a few k's the path <laughs> yeah how did you do that like it was a, apart from jumping on a plane and going there um that I imagine there was a fair bit of um, trepidation, courage, everything else that went with that. Um, but you, literally, did you just jump on a plane, go to Michigan, grab a car and start driving around? Or what? Essentially, yeah, that's the crux of it. Wow. <laughs> um, but um, I'd, I'd first, obviously, you know, everyone knows about Detroit and that, you know, it's Motor City and it's yeah. plight, you know, when the car industry got outsourced to China and the obviously yeah. the, the economical fallout took place and... That affected, you know, loads of different areas across the states. But not only that, but, you know, Motor City had corruption issues and so forth. Yeah. And so, you know, that really spread out and made things worse. And I sort of saw these images by oh, Ivis Marchand and Roman Ferrere. I can't pronounce his last name. Both French, very hard to pronounce. Fantastic artists. And they ventured to Detroit. And I saw that when I was in for my second year of university. And I just these spaces are incredible and i didn't believe that that type of uh i guess decay and um economic depression could happen in our world today yep. obviously it's not like a traditional third world but it's a third world of a different kind in the respect that yeah what's affecting that city and built up area is is a bizarre situation you know yep. it creates like a post-apocalyptic urban modern day wasteland that's yep. that's sort of what it looks like and it's like being on the set of um the walking dead yeah like quite literally um in every sense of the word because obviously there's you got your you know drug addicts and your gang members yeah, and yeah. it's just a it's like a wild west uh, modern day zombie land um but there's also positive aspects i'm making it sound terrible um you know there are areas where there are pockets of life and they're trying to rebuild and it's changed and i, I guess for me i wanted to kind of create a visual tie between tasmania and finding a place as large and as far away from here to i guess represent what possible and potential eventuality could happen to you know imagine a city the size of sydney or yep. brisbane and all of a sudden like that big and you you know barely see one or two people walking through there in a day yeah you know or 10 people in a day and just imagine the window starting to naturally decay i mean how bizarre how what a strange sub world we have existing in our in our world Do you know what i mean and yeah, yeah. for me it was I, I had to see it with my own eyes because i I was in disbelief, but um, I also found it really interesting to find out more about the, their story and how that, as I say, could affect other areas of the world if the right or, say, wrong factors fall into place to then create that wave of, I guess, economic destruction that yep. falls afterwards. 
Um, so yeah, I just wanted to get to Detroit and, um, and I talked to a bloke who was over there and he said, Oh, if you ever happen to come over, you know, I'll I'll show you around. And, um, and I sort of thought, Oh, fantastic. So I had my chance to get a cheap ticket as you do when you're Googling cheap cheap tickets to Detroit. And uh, I thought, yeah, I'll get over there. Um, long story short, he didn't actually uh, meet up with me. I came all the way to Detroit from Launceston, Tasmania, and he couldn't even come down the road to show me around. Didn't know where he was. He just said he would show me around so uh luckily for me um another urbex group was able to help me out and give me a bit of a location guide and i I basically yeah sort of took myself around to these areas and um and safely entered and also sometimes unsafely didn't enter uh you know just the just got to be so careful um, as well and of the people who are in there like two weeks before i literally went to one of these spaces um beautiful church it's known as curvy um you could probably google it if you wanted to um curvy a beautiful church uh like i don't know 1830s i think it was 1840s just unreal design and architecture and that also intrigues me now like it's all led me to this as well it's like a continuing process it just doesn't stop does it um (laughs) but anyway so this architecture is just amazing two weeks before i went there um two guys just like myself went to go to the catacombs underneath to come up into the church and um as they were going through uh, two gangbangers or one, I can't remember, pistol whipped them and took all of their gear. So all of their camera gear, tripods, you know, money, phones, whatever, it was all gone. And again, that was probably because they didn't take proper time in consideration into what was about to entail. And you've got to think of the worst case scenario, quite literally, and plan for it. So when I got there, I was like, I've got to get in there. I've got to get in. But I took my time. I stayed at the entrance and I waited for two minutes. And as I was about to go in on my, like, literally one minute, 59 second, I heard shuffling and cracking and creaking of floorboards. So someone had heard me about to enter and they'd paused as well in mirroring what I was doing. And who knows who they could have been. They could have been a photographer. They could have been living there. They could have been a gangbanger. But I didn't want to take the risk, so I just left it. You left it. Came back another day. So you did get the shot in there? I eventually did get in there, but I thought, like, you know, if if it doesn't feel right, it's not. No, trust your gut. Trust your gut. And I left and I came back on another day. Wow. That's crazy, man. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird looking back on it because it feels like I'm telling a story about someone else, which is strange. Yeah, yeah, but... With that, like you're talking about safety and that, and then that's the f- kind of the physical to the dangers of people and some what, animals. Do you, a lot of places like this, you'd never know what they're built of, like in mm. asbestos and yep. other. Generally, other I look into it as much as I can and yeah. get as much information. A lot of the spaces I go to, I do have just a dust mask or a respirator, just yep. like with basic vents, which is for, you know, I guess, if you were doing construction and so forth. And they're just yep. easy to throw in your bag. Um, just to as a precautionary measure. Also, you got to like look for signs of anything that could be obviously leading to asbestos and so forth. And yep. it dust. You don't want to go in on windy and horrible days because that's going to amplify your chances of sucking in horrendous materials. Yep, yep. But I mean, you know, you walk through the streets of Melbourne and you suck in about three hundred cigarettes, and they're all going to affect you in different ways. Um, so it's just dependent on um, sort of the exposure to whatever those elements are. But I, I always just make sure I've got a mask to to cover me as, as much as possible and just be prepared but also try and spend as little amount of time in the space so I know less about as possible yep. because you really if you don't know you don't want to risk it so it's your health is much more important just take an exterior shot and leave 
Cool. Mm. Uh, I'm going to leave this one here and we're going to do one more because we can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, just for this episode, like once again, who, uh, where can we find your work? And So you can head straight to my website at www.jdarseymour.com. That's D-A-S-E-Y-M-O-U-R, photography.com.au or hit me up on Facebook, Seymour Photography. I'll stick links in the um, show notes. All right. We'll continue again on the next episode. Thank you.